Technically speaking. Welcome to our technically untechnical technology talk. A Nywick Atlantic production. Hey, I'm Chelsea, the Nywick Atlantic videographer, social media manager, and voice of the Nywick Atlantic video tours. And I'm Alex, a member of the Nywick Atlantic media engagement team and the announcer for Nywick Atlantic All Hands Awards ceremonies. Coming up, we've got a deep dive into the important milestone Nowick Atlantic's on-demand manufacturing lab achieved, some insight into the importance of observing Disability Employment Awareness Month, and the latest events and achievements across the command. And you don't want to miss the always thrilling technical tip. So grab a snack, sit back, and let's get started. In mid-October, Nywick Atlantic's on-demand manufacturing lab celebrated their graduation from a technical focus area to a core proficiency. And I bet a lot of people don't really know what that means. I bet you they don't. I don't think so, but not to worry because I sat down with Hunter Smith, an engineer manager in the lab, who explains what that means and what the lab is capable of. So Hunter, please explain to me what the on-demand manufacturing lab is and what you guys do. Sure. So ODM for us is a combination of 3D printing or additive manufacturing with traditional subtractive manufacturing and advanced capabilities as well. That sounds impressive, but I have no idea what that means. Sure. So (laughs) 3D printing is, or additive manufacturing really is a term of adding material to something to be able to build a project. So uh, everything from like polymer, plastic printing, uh, we have some metal printing capability, but also welding is considered an additive process. And then uh, on the subtractive, so you think about taking material away from something. So your traditional machine shop, milling, drilling, lathing, all those kinds of processes are subtractive. And then for us on the advanced side, it's CNC equipment. So computer numerically controlled equipment, think uh, more precise computer driven manufacturing processes. You have all of these ways to make things. So what are you making? Sure. So we make all kinds of supporting equipment for C4I uh, processes here at the command. So uh, bracketry, all kinds of other prototyping activities associated with the integration that we do here at the command. Uh, But we're also doing original mechanical design. So creating unique mechanical electrical systems to support um, our research and development folks here at the command, but also kind of new and emerging projects that come through, um, like I said, that C4I umbrella for the entire command. So you make a lot of parts that go into existing systems that eventually help the warfighter down the road. That's right. That's great. So you're more than 3D printing. That's right. Yeah, we do significantly more fabrication to help the warfighter in any way that we can, not just printing. That's always good to hear that we have all these wonderful capabilities. And does it is it also safe to say that having the ability to make them in-house is saving the command money? Absolutely. So with our in-house capabilities, we're not only generally able to do things faster than if we were going to go out into industry, uh, but we also cut down a lot of the contracting costs associated with that. So uh, my group is part of a service center with corporate production within the command, which just means that there's a different pricing structure for our stuff than if we were going to go project to project. All those rates are published for projects within the command. And what we do is a direct transfer of funding. So there's no contract involved. There's no purchase card. There's no um, fees associated with uh, extended shipping times or holding material or anything like that. So again, not only are we generally able to do things faster, but we can cut out some of those auxiliary costs associated with going outside the command. And that's what people like to hear because if it saves the command money, it saves the taxpayer right. money. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 
October 12th was a big day for you because you guys celebrated graduating from a technical focus area to a core proficiency. That sounds wonderful, but right. what does it mean? Right. So uh, the command has eight technical focus areas that do everything from ODM as, as one in particular, but also a few other things associated with communication, 5G, for instance. And we're taking a look at in these technical focus areas, how can we start to grow a specific capability? Graduating from a TFA to a core proficiency means a handful of things. So there's a list of criteria that the command has developed for becoming a core proficiency, things like um, becoming self-sufficient with funding, but also having processes and other documentation, training, for instance, but just being a little bit more developed in the capability. So graduating from something that the command is exploring or kind of experimenting with to something that we're going to offer as a service as we continue to go forward. So basically you've graduated to the point where you've met all these requirements right. and now you have the certificate in a yes. sense. Yeah. Uh, you have the credentials you need to say, hey, we are skilled, we are here to stay and we offer all of this, take advantage of us. Right, yes? it's, it's okay. kind of, it's giving us backing to show IPTs and even other warfare centers even that we're not just looking at the technology as something that could be kind of useful, but more so as something that we've developed and we're, we're competent in, but also uh, it's gotten to the point where it's kind of repeatable, reliable all those other illities associated with kind of systems engineering and that and that V. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And now that you have this, what are your goals moving forward? Sure. So we're looking at kind of researching some more topics associated with 3D printing specifically. So additive manufacturing is a very disruptive technology. So there's new processes, new equipment, things like that, that are coming out regularly. And so we're looking at trying to figure out new ways to support warfighter readiness, right? That's all the stuff that we're doing is trying to increase readiness, um, whether that's a new process, a new technology, maybe even potentially a new material associated with something that we've already got and just kind of becoming more efficient with the, the technology that we have. Very, very nice. So are you also, you offer training. You mentioned that. That's right. Yeah. So okay. we, over the last two years, we developed our own and house ODM training and uh, we call it design for manufacturability and it's a culmination of kind of your entry level what is additive what are the subtractive processes that we have all the way up through some failure prevention uh, designing classes things like that trying to get personnel within the command kind of up to speed on what we have but also how it could help their projects. Oh, wonderful. So it's a training for personnel in the command? That's right. Yeah. Yes. So it's government personnel only right now. Um, but what we're doing is trying to kind of standardize mechanical design within the command, but also have folks take a look at the existing capability we have in hand as a potential solution for long lead time items, logistical issues that they're having, or, or potentially sourcing issues. But also, like I said, our bread is buttered with speed, how quickly we can right. do things. So being able to train individual projects on what we're doing kind of speeds up that design process and that decision-making process as well. And it also is fostering, it sounds like a lot of collaborative opportunities. You're looking it for is. that collaboration. That's right. Yeah. So it, it allows us to reach more projects, but also have those engineers across the project saying, hey, I saw this training that the ODM team did a few months ago. Uh, I really think that some of the technology that they have could help us. And then we're kind of bridging those gaps between projects. Wonderful. Okay. I think that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for coming Thanks for on. having me. I appreciate it. 
Fun fact, Alex, during the pandemic, the ODM lab designed and 3D printed personal protective equipment and provided them to NIWIC Atlantic personnel across the United States and abroad. That's amazing. Kudos to the team for doing that. So this month is also important for another reason, and you can tell us that reason, Alex. Absolutely. Did you know that October was National Disability Employment Awareness Month? I didn't at first, but now I know. The NAVWAR Disability Council hosted four virtual events throughout the month in observance of disability employment-related issues. For those out there in podcast land who may not know, I was injured in a car accident as a baby and have a spinal cord injury that has me paralyzed from about the chest level down. And I use a power wheelchair for mobility. Thank you so much for sharing that. And can you kind of tell us about what has helped you overcome some challenges? One of the biggest support systems that I have is my family. They've been there for me since the beginning, making sure that I had the resources I needed and that I participated in as many activities and opportunities that I wanted to. I was able to graduate from college and participate in extracurricular activities, even to becoming employed here at NIWIC Atlantic. A fulfilled life. Nothing was holding you back. Not at all. Good, good. In fact, I was hired through the Workforce Recruitment Program, which provides opportunities for recent graduates and summer interns who were looking to work in the federal government. And so I was grateful for the opportunity to be hired within that program to be here at Nowick Atlantic now. And I've been involved with the disability employment team as part of the workforce. And we want to make sure that people with disabilities, employees with disabilities are receiving the accommodations that they need to be able to do their work efficiently and effectively. So everything from automatic buttons on doors to make sure that we can get in and out easily to the workspaces, making sure that our cubicles and office areas can accommodate my wheelchair or even other assistive technology for people who are visually impaired that may need screen readers to help them be able to to see the screen even better. And then one other thing that I use from time to time is talk to text. As a federal workplace, Nowick Atlantic is required to provide these accommodations. And so I'm grateful that the disability employment team is working to ensure that these standards are upheld and promotes inclusivity within the workforce. I'm really glad that we have a team here to make sure that these standards are met and to spread awareness because Alex, you and I were talking earlier and you had some great advice that changed my mindset, kind of opened my eyes to some situations that I just was so naive to before. So can you share? One of the things that I hear all the time is that people often say the disabled person instead of talking about the person first. So we always want to make sure that we focus on the person before focusing on the disability. So instead of saying the disabled person, just say the person in a wheelchair or something along those lines. It's just a matter of respect too, which now talking to you, I realized that just, it may just be a change of how you might word something. It may seem small, but in the reality, it changes your mindset too. So just flipping around how you say that helps you see someone differently. You see that person before their disability, which is the whole point. So thank you for sharing that. And then one of the other things that I try to bring attention to is making sure that people ask me if I need assistance before just jumping right in and doing that task. So um, those are the little things that that we want to 
to highlight and make sure that people understand. And people might accidentally just be getting in the way. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, lastly, the other biggest pet peeve is people taking my handicapped parking spots or parking on the hash lines in, in the parking spaces because that's actually where I need to be able to, to let my wheelchair ramp out to get in and out of my vehicle. And I think as someone who's just driving around, maybe not seeing that happen, you're unaware of what those hashed marks mean, why they're there and why it's so important for people who have a ramp and who need to use a ramp, that space needs to be available for them. And they need to have the adequate amount of space, that whole hashed mark to be able to use it. And you've run into a couple issues even in the past couple weeks. Twice in the last two weeks, I've seen everything from people parking their motorcycles there, their shopping carts, you name it. So bringing more awareness and attention to those issues will hopefully bring about change and help people realize the importance of accessible parking. I hope so. Thank you so much for sharing. So we are going to switch gears now and run through the recent events and achievements here at The Command. We celebrated the Navy birthday on October 13th, which was a hybrid event that included all Niwak Atlantic sites, and those who were in person even got to enjoy some cake. The NAVWAR, Niwak Atlantic, and Niwak Pacific teams hosted an Information Warfare Research Project, or IWRP, Consortium Industry Day on October 19th at the Charleston Gilliard Center. The event included technical briefs, one-on-one -on -one breakout sessions, and roundtable discussions. Basically, it was a great collaborative event between industry partners and government. The Women of the Workforce, also known as WOW, and the joint-based Charleston Civilian Health Promotion Services teamed up to raise awareness on breast cancer and women's health with a brown bag hybrid event and free wellness screenings that were offered on-site in Charleston on October 19th. The Nowick Atlantic team also hosted an economic development and familiarization tour with the industry manager and workforce development manager for Berkeley County. And this is one way we reach out to the local community. Kudos to everyone involved with all of these wonderful achievements. And now it's time for our technical tip. Not really that technical. Did you know by going to the keypad on your iPhone and just tapping the call button, it will bring up the last number you dialed? I love that tip. I love any tip that lets me be a little bit more lazy. To learn more about anything we've mentioned in the podcast, check out our social medias under NAVWAR, our NIWIC Atlantic website, and our co-authored online publication, Chips Magazine, which is the Department of the Navy's Information Technology Magazine. Links are in the description. That wraps up this episode of Technically Speaking. Thanks for listening. If you have a tip or story that you think should be included in this podcast, please contact us at our public affairs email address, which is listed in the description. Naval Information Warfare Center Atlantic, also known as NIWIC, is the East Coast branch of the Naval Information Warfare Systems Command within the Department of the Navy. We develop a range of technologies that provide state-of-the-art capabilities to the United States military.